Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. Um, hello, Latif. Thanks so much for joining us in the podcast. Uh, such an honor to have you. Uh, I would like to ask you first, how we would like to, of course, everyone know about you, but how we would like maybe to find, define yourself uh, for yeah. the audience first time listening to you. Yeah, I'm, it, it's a little bit uh, cliche maybe to say in, in my industry at least, but I, I'm, a, I'm a storyteller. I, I, I like yeah. to... Um, I'm, a, I'm a curious person. I, I go out and I love to learn things about the world, um, about people, about the, the, the universe, um, and then kind of turn them into stories to get other people excited about learning them as well and hopefully yeah. change their way of seeing the world. Uh, um, but in sort of very practical terms, I am a journalist. I am a a uh, podcaster, I am a TV host, um, I am on Twitter way too much, uh, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much who I am, yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. So maybe I would like to go first for your childhood. Of course, we know how much childhood can affect your future, or maybe the shape of you think about the world around you. Do you have any memories about being interested in science or way of thinking as a kid? Any yeah. Well, well, even before I get to mine, I, I would take, because right now I'm a, I'm a, a dad of two young uh, boys. Yeah, uh, yeah, thank you very much. But, but, but even just seeing, I, I really do think like just seeing the kind of relentless questioning mm. of my, uh, I have a three-year-old, seeing him just, uh, my other uh, kid is a baby, so he's too, too young yeah. to ask questions yet. Yeah, but, but the three-year-old, he, he asks questions in a way that is just, uh it's it 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 blows my mind like like mm-hmm. the, the, the not just the number of questions really it's the kind of questions they're questions yeah. that are so obvious but that mm-hmm. that they're not you know and I, I just it's it's just a an incredibly exciting um thing and I, I think that's I don't think that's that's him or or me or anything I think that's I think that's kind of all of us I think we all sort of mm-hmm. have that um, that, that spirit and the, those questions inside of us. And I, to me, it's like, I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm so lucky and you are too, that mm. we get to, um, yeah, that, that we, as grownups, we get to do that. You know, we get to, uh, uh, yeah, find an excuse to talk to people we, we find interesting and, and, and channel that childhood kind of, um, uh, impulse. Um, yeah. but, but, but for me, one of my earliest memories uh, of my childhood is, um, my father, um, uh, so I grew up in Canada uh, to both my parents are immigrants and uh, my father, every morning he would like burst into my bedroom. This is how I wake up every day. He would burst into my bedroom and he'd be holding a copy of that morning's newspaper and he would just like, and, and he would get up very, very early to pray. Um, and, uh, and he would read the newspaper would be the first one of the first things he would do in the morning. 
And then, and then he would get so excited about the stories that he would sort of burst into my bedroom and, and I would be asleep, just barely waking up. And he would be talking a mile a minute about, you know, these stories about the world, um, you know, stories that I was way too young to even understand what they, what they meant, you know? Um, yeah. But he would tell me just, and, and, and just that level of excitement, that level of curiosity, that level of every day, you know, there's new stuff to learn. And the world is an exciting place where, where, where dr- dynamic and dramatic things happen. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, it, it kind of, and, and it's funny because he did the same thing to my sister and yeah. the two of us, neither of us really, uh, you know, w- w- we didn't know any journalists growing up. That was not a, kind of a, a sort of on the career, you know, path that, that I think w- of anybody we, we knew. And yet both my sister and I became journalists. And I think it's because our dad did that every morning, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's interesting. So maybe I'm curious to ask you, Latif, let's see. I think your upbringing was healthy and I think that's shaped you to be curious about things around you. Do you think um, education now harm that kid mentality? I had yesterday a podcast about pursuit of truth and in, in maybe in knowledge in academy and, and mm-hmm. I guess say that education can cause some harm to your mind. As you mentioned, your kid ask really curious question, but maybe from my experience as well, I mean, I don't know if your experience, uh, mm-hmm. when you go in traditional education and you want to question everything, but sometimes maybe society, um, maybe dismissing any kind of question outside the mainstream or maybe skeptical mm-hmm. about anything. Mm-hmm. How do you see the education shaped you? Or maybe your thought about education generally speak about uh, maybe yeah. also at school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um well let me let me just start sort of to talk about my education, then I'll t- then I'll tackle your question. Like for me, I I, I had I, I, you're right. I had an the immense uh, uh, luckiness and luxury of having a, a very healthy kind of family upbringing. And then I also was very lucky that both my parents, they really prized education. They valued education, despite the fact that they really hadn't, I, neither of them had really gotten a good education. Uh, they mm-hmm. really sort of put that front and center, knowing that they hadn't gotten it and the value of it, um, they put it front and center. And so I was able to get a really good education. I went to very good schools from the mm. from the time I was basically I started, um, and I think you know, and I definitely have you know criticisms about the, sort of the state of education and things like that. But but in general, I do think that um, education has tremendous power, and I was so lucky, and mine. Uh, and so many steps along the way, I had so many great teachers who broadened my horizons, who made me think about, talk about, learn about, read about stuff I would never have, you know, encountered any other way. Um, and, and so I do think that there is like education has a kind of uh, a power over shaping and sculpting and, and, and kind of aiming the rest of your life. Uh, mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, few other things do. And I, I think we, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know the degree to which, uh, you know, I don't know too much about uh, French schools or schools in other countries, but I, I know schools in the United States, like it, it's, it's, it's sort of disproportional. I, th- I think there should be so much more investment in them because they, exactly. because they are so valuable. Um, to tackle your, your question though, kind of it, are there times when we sort of, 
are educating in the wrong direction or educating people out of being curious and out of, I do think that, um, I mean, so much of it is, 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 you know, case by case and subject by subject and this kind of thing. But, but I do think we, we tend to have, at least when I was growing up uh, and, and um, in the classrooms that I was, like there is a fixation on the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Like so we're, we get so fixated on the answer. We, we prize the student who raises their hand first with the answer, right? It's like we do multiple choice and you, know, you have to fill in the proper answer and we number how many answers you get right. And then that's your grade, you know? Like, like that, that to me, this, this obsession with the answer, um, it's, it's like, I can understand why people have that. But, but to me, I think in my experience, the question is so much more important, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the question and the, dis- the, the how you get to the answer, those yeah. two things are so much more important than what the final answer is. Um, and, and uh, you know, like, especially on things like standardized multiple choice tests and stuff like that, like, like to me, that's a, that, that's your, your, your fixating on the, on the final answer, which is really just, it just doesn't mm-hmm. even matter, frankly. Uh, like, I think that the, 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 the really crucial thing um, to do when you're kind of fostering young minds, I think, in my, my own opinion, um, is to is to fire them up, you know, and to to make them ask questions, to make them look around themselves and say, why is it this way? Why couldn't it be a different way? Why? How do we know that it's this way? Um, mm-hmm. how, how? What? You know? What could? Um, yeah. What? What could? What could the world look like? What? What could I do with my life? Um, to, yeah, to to change the lives of others or to to discover a new thing or or whatever it is. But it's it's mm-hmm. it's kind of. Yeah, it's it's like I think there's a the, and and there are, there are a lot of good teachers that are doing that I'm sure in many parts of the world but but I think this fixation on the answer it's it's a it's it's a short term thought you know and 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 yeah. and I think that there's a bigger picture and the bigger picture is let's get people curious let's get people invested let's teach people not how to find the answer but how to think you know and that's the that's the exciting thing and that's the thing where we'll sort of activate all these people, all these young minds all over the world and, and, mm-hmm. and, and really, you know, make a big difference in, in our society, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's really excellent point. Maybe the first question comes here. What it takes you to ask maybe is the right question or maybe the important question. Do you think mm-hmm. it's challenging to ask how to find this question, even in life or science? Oh yeah. I mean, I think I th- to me that again, it goes to the same point. Like I think asking the, the question, finding the right question, whether it's in an interview and you want to f- like, like for me, finding the right uh, question to, you know, to nail somebody down who I'm trying to uh, some interview subject or, but, but even more so like just to, to understand the world around me, to be able to articulate, like there's something that doesn't make sense here, but how can I phrase it in such a way that I'll find an answer that will make sense, or I'll I'll mm-hmm. I'll start myself on a journey to an answer that will make sense. I think that that's not an obvious thing. Um, I do think that within us we have like into the to the point of uh, you know m- my kid and all these other mm-hmm. kids around the world and all of us, um, like we do have we have tons of questions right that yeah. just uh, emerge from us. But but to me that the 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 
the goal is to make those to, to sort of sculpt those questions in such a way that it's like how can we find, how can we kind of aim these questions in the right direction where where they actually will help us learn more, help us empathize more, help us um, understand more um, what other people are going through, what are what, what is happening in our world? Like I'm, I feel like I'm speaking very vaguely, but but I do think that it, it's a it's a difficult it's it's difficult. It, it actually takes it's like a muscle you need to work. Like, yeah. like you have all these questions that are coming up in your head all the time. I think we all do. Um, and it's a matter of a not settling for, for smaller and smaller answers. Um, yeah. and B, uh, trying to, um, trying to really hone those questions to be able to kind of spur us forward, you know, to, 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 to send us in the direction where, we'll start to understand more and we'll start to, uh, yeah, be in a place where we can actually kind of yeah. um, actively like live our lives and remake our, our, our society. Yeah, that's indeed interesting. But I would like to go for your journey because I think when you are a grad student and your journey first like to Reading Lab, have you ever imagined that you will be what you are today was it challenging for you? Do you have moments of doubt to to do what you want? Yeah, for, for me, I mean, certainly like when I was in school and even grad school, the things that I'm doing now, not only did I not think of them, I think they were unthinkable. Like, like, like so right now I, I work, I'm, I'm a co-host of a podcast and I am a host of a of a of a science documentary series on Netflix. Yeah. When I was in graduate school, podcasts barely existed. I think very few people had heard of them. They were a very niche thing. I had not heard of them. Um, and Netflix was a thing that would you know send you DVDs by mail. Uh, you know, it was nothing like what it is now. And, and so to have, to, for me to kind of uh, imagine that I, that I would be doing, like I, I couldn't, that it, it wouldn't have even been possible. Um, and, and I think there is, yeah, like, like I, I've kind of, my philosophy all along, like I'm, I'm a very bad uh, planner. Um, and uh, I, 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 don't, I don't really make, you know, five-year, 10-year plans. I just kind of go in the direction I, I let. I like to follow my enthusiasm, yeah. um, and uh, and 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 that is at, at times it's very it, it can be uh, sort of disillusioning. Like especially if you go, uh, for example, if you go down a path for a while, and then you get to a certain point, um, like and I think to some degree this is me in academia where I'm like, oh wait a second, this isn't like this isn't for me. Uh, necessarily, and I've spent a lot of years here. And what am I doing? And I don't quite know what I'm doing. And this isn't exciting me in, anymore. And then I just started to kind of follow something else that that I was yeah. excited about that felt good. Um, so, so there are times when you feel confused, you feel lonely. Like I, I certainly f felt those things uh, very acutely. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, that that the trick is like, like, I think maybe my, something about my attention span or, or like, like I can only do things that I'm excited about. And even if it means sort of running away from something that I've built 
I've, I've been doing for years because it's not exciting me anymore. Like I, I just can't, I just can't stomach it anymore. I need to do something else, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe I'm, I would like to skew in this point. You say that there's a reward on being dumb. Yeah. And, and you know what you mentioned, Lodi, because I can feel you're such a passionate person and, and you have a short lifespan, for example, if you really not curious anymore. When we look to academia, for example, PhD, maybe that obvious example, you have four or five years and you have to work in the subject and maybe mm. a student can lose his curiosity. Mm. And it is not accepted to be, uh, as you mentioned, to be dumb or maybe there is rewards in being dumb in academy. But mm. you have another perspective for being dumb. And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's also I'm questioning also when you mentioned like 10 years ago, podcasts, YouTubes and the series you're doing, which uh, there's a consensus about you, you are a lovable personality and, also host. <laughs> and that's also a key character that how people can get the knowledge out of curiosity not over authority and that's how I read it in a New York Times article you have been interviewed and that's striking me because in academy you have a lot of authority if you have a questioning yeah. anything you have to work out of fear sometimes and killing the curiosity and I think mm -hmm. that's I'm not making the sibling generalization but it's it's happening like that Right. So how do you see that? I think there are many questions here, but I can see what you're doing can attract more people in being interested in science and yeah. avoiding the jargon of science that like, makes people, I'm not really interested, this is really not for me, but you yeah. make it in a, I, I feel it's, it's a game of changing. If you can tell us how all these points, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, the, here, the, the thing I kind of feel, and I, and I think the thing I'm sort of sensing from you, like one thing that has happened because science sort of is, has gotten to the point where it is, um, is that science is highly, highly, highly specialized. Um, mm. And at, like, like uh, you know, I studied the history of science and, and when, you, yeah. you, when you read about all these, you know, the, the, the first sort of crop of scientists in the, um, in the 1600s, you know, like around the scientific revolution time, um, what you see is like, they're all interested in everything. Newton wrote about math, but he also was studying the eye and he was also studying this thing and that thing and the other thing. Like, and, and there was a kind of a range and a fluidity, right? Um, mm -hmm. Now science has gotten to the point because it's so complicated that, you know, no, to, to find a polymath, it's, it's, it's much rarer nowadays. Um, so everything is really, really hyper-specialized. And because with that hyper-specialization has come in academia, I think, and this is what I, uh, maybe I'm sensing from you a little bit, is there are these sort of fiefdoms. There are these sort of, it's very carved up. So everybody has their own territory where they are the authority and, yeah. and you don't wander into somebody else's authority and they don't wander into yours and you all respect the boundaries. And, and, and there's something nice about that. There's a deference to that to say, look, like you've, you've spent all your time studying this one tiny, you know, sliver of a gene in this one pangolin species or whatever it is, right? Um, and that's like, like you understand why that is, but to me, the, 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 there's a kind of flip of that, which is that what then happens is because it becomes so specialized, it becomes, you know, it has its own jargon. It has its own, you know, if, if, if there's something you're interested in and, and there's the one person who, 
who is studying that and who is maybe not a great talker um, uh, uh, and, and won't come on a podcast and explain it, then you're, you're sort of stuck, then what do you do? So to, to me, the, the idea is to sort of flip it. Like, I think that it is true, scientists have authority and they ought to have authority because they have spent a long time studying and, and they know it better than, they know a certain topic better than, than everybody else. But, but to me, the thing is that the questions are not just the scientists. The questions belong to all of us, right? Uh, we're all allowed to ask questions, even if it's not in our specific field that we, you know, like just because I, uh, you know, uh, if my day job, if I deliver pizzas, I'm allowed to have thoughts and questions that are not about pizzas, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like, and I think that, I think that having that, like, like opening that up and being, for me to be that dumb guy who can ask the question that maybe is not targeted in this specific micro field in, a, in, a, in one of the sciences to say, no, I just have this question sort of across the board. Like, why is this this way or something, you know? Um, mm. that, that I think then is, it, it, it's, it's more honest, it's more approachable. Um, and, and also like, I, I do think, you know, while I still do respect uh, expertise and I think that, you know, even hyper-specialized scientists, we, we need them to do what they do. Um, but at the same time, I think in a way, in order to, to get everybody excited about that, in order to kind of reclaim the question, reclaim mm -hmm. the wonder of the world for, for all the rest of us, um, mm -hmm. Uh, you need to be able to ask those kind of dumb questions, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's really excellent point. Maybe I'm curious to ask this question because I think that maybe academicians sometimes fail at to maybe make analogy for the complex idea. And, mm -hmm. and that's something I think is not easy skill, you know, the storytelling or how you can, as you mentioned, that you have to understand it in your own way and then deliver to the audience. But let me ask you first, how do you think you can taste the audience? Because it's challenging how they can cultivate their interest in this subject. Mm. How, how, how you can do that? Yeah, I think, I think to me in general, like I think that, like I find, and this, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm repeating myself a million times, but I really think it's about questions. It's about finding the right question, uh, sort of, like uh, it's almost like, like you're sculpting, you're, you're streamlining and shaping a question in such a way mm. to kind of ring a bell in someone's mind, you know, because I think we all have these questions that we sit with all the time. Um, mm. And then, and, and, and if you can hear somebody else, whether it's me or anybody, ask that question that you've had, that you've never had an answer to, or you didn't even realize you had, um, then all of a sudden, then you're gonna pay attention. Then the, then the audience is gonna be with you. And in fact, they will go with you on a long journey to find the answer to that question, as long as they know that your question is their question too. Um, uh, so, so, you know, an example, um, from the, uh, in the TV show I did from the clouds episode, mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, we start with this idea, although we never fully explain it, but um, uh, the, the idea that, you know, the average cloud or like most clouds weigh more than a blue whale. And you're like, that's crazy. How is that true? How could that possibly be? How could it stay up there in the air, right? 
Um, and, and so that's like a question that's like, that feels like a somewhat a universal question, right? That I think that mm-hmm. people would want to know the answer to, because it's, it's a little bit strange and unsettling. It's kind of funny. It's sort of a thing that maybe you wondered about when you were a kid, but then sort of put it away. And, and then, for, you know, if someone can bring up a, um, something and not necessarily about clouds, I mean, there are a million of these kinds of questions all around us. Um, um, and, and, you know, all different kinds of stories that I do are about different versions of, 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 of that. But, but, but in a way, it's like, if you, if you get, if you nail the question right at the beginning, I find um, mm. it's, it's a lot easier to get people to come along with you because they're like, yeah, what is, what is the answer to that? I have no idea. You're totally right. You know? Yeah. yeah. I really like this point. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Maybe I'm curious to ask you about the documentary, uh, Shoe Series Love Connected. Sure. Why you started? How we get this idea? And we need just starting what we wanted to do, with, like a documentary for audience. Yeah. How you get this idea? Yeah, we, uh, there's, there's sort of a bunch of ways that uh, I came to the idea. I was approached by a, um, a production company, a really wonderful production company um, based in uh, New York. And they said that they wanted to make a science show uh, with me. Uh, and I said, Oh, that's very exciting. I guess they had seen some of my earlier work and they were excited about it. And so, um, so I said, yeah, sure, let's try it. And I hadn't really given too much of a thought to doing something like that before, but then I kind of, I kind of like, uh, I, I spent a lot of time with the producers, uh, at that production company talking about, you know, so many of my favorite science shows over the years, um, you know, there's, yeah. there's just so many of them, you know, like Cosmos and like, uh, there was an yeah. old BBC show called, um, Connections, uh, yeah. or there, there are a whole bunch that I, I just really loved. And, um, and we would talk about those and kind of what, what was the fun, fun parts of them and what were the things that I think I could do differently or things I could bring. And, and their, their specialty was really, they, they, they had this idea that, it would be fun because you think of a science show and you think of kind of like old school Bill Nye, the science guy where he's in a kind of a studio lab and he's like doing sort of fun gimmicky uh, kind of like experiments like on a, or maybe in a, in a field or something. But, but the idea that they had was what if we made a science travel show where you go all over the world and you see scientists kind of in their in their natural habitat, so to speak, or like in the field, like, like actually doing the things that they, they do, like trying to study, you know, uh, if it's, if they're studying sewage, we're going out into the sewers with them, like that kind of thing. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and that was very exciting to me, and and the the, the opportunity to travel, you know, it's very pre-COVID, uh, uh, the opportunity to just travel around the world, and then also, the idea that, um, yeah, that I could, you know, I could like go and, and actually watch some of these very dramatic, exciting things happen. Um, and then kind of as we developed the idea, what, one of the ideas we kind of had after that was, okay, if we're going to these places that are kind of far, far away from where, where our viewers actually are, um, mm-hmm. what's the way we can connect it back to them? What's the way that even if I'm telling you about something that's happening in the middle of the Sahara Desert where nobody's around, you know, 
why is it that that somehow should matter to you, you know, to you watching it on your couch, even though you've never been to the Sahara Desert or didn't really care about the Sahara Desert or don't think about the Sahara Desert in your daily life, why would this matter to you? So then that, that kind of became the game. Like how, what's the furthest kind of place we could go? And then what's the, what's the way we could make it relevant or connect it back um, to, yeah, to, to, to just an ordinary person, you know, like you or me watching at home. That's wonderful. So maybe I'm curious to ask you, Leslie, since you have been at radio for many years and this TV show, do you think it was a challenge for you? Because I think when you have this intimate conversation or in the radio or the podcast, I mean, sometimes the audience can imagine something different. And But mm. when it comes to V, how do you see, it was a challenging for you did you really enjoy it? Uh, it was enjoyable, of course, but for you as an relative, do you think it was comfortable for you to do that? Yeah, I mean, it, to me, like it, it was definitely not comfortable. Isn't the word I would use because I was doing a new thing. I was trying a new thing, and and I certainly failed a, a number of times. Like, uh, uh, and and like it, it was very difficult because, like, okay, so like imagine right now we're having this conversation, right? And that's this is usually for me like when I'm doing my podcast interviews and stuff, like this is how I do it, right? Like, it's like, I get to have a long, uh, at least an hour, maybe 90 minutes, maybe like a long conversation, very conversational, fun, uh, uh, informal, like you can kind of do it. And even now, especially you can do it in your own home. It's really, uh, um, it's, it's really simple, you know, it's like, and it's for most people, it's just like talking on the phone, basically. Whereas in TV, it's, it's sort of a different game altogether. So, so imagine like I would have to fly to a place and maybe the researcher wasn't there. So researcher had to fly to that place. Then we go and we're, and then, you know, the, uh, we're meeting for the first time. Uh, and then we only have, because, you know, the, the camera people have to set up the shot. So you're awkwardly standing there. And then what we realize is, okay, we're going to start the interview. But before we start the interview, they, they tell me, look, the sun is over there. So we have the right lighting, but we're only going to have it for 15 minutes. So go. Uh, and then you have to do the interview, full interview in 15 minutes. And also they have to film it from both angles. So you might have to repeat a question here and then repeat it there. And then also, um, you know, these are scientists, a lot of them, so they're not used to being on camera um, mm. and, and they're kind of uncomfortable and self-conscious because of course they are, they should be. Um, you know, this is, a lot of people are gonna see this. So, so, they're, so they're, you know, they take a little while to warm up and, and, and feel comfortable, but we only have 15 minutes and I'm trying to ask questions really rapid fire because I have so many things I wanna cover. And yeah. tomorrow we're all flying all, all different places. So it, it, it's a very different way of interviewing people, of talking to people, of getting information. Um, it was exciting though. It's fun. There are, you know, other things that you get that you don't get in radio, like to be able to see the person's face light mm. up when they're talking about the thing that they, they think is so fascinating or that they, you know, this subject that they've, that they've fallen in love with. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's certainly, it's just trade-offs, you know, each medium I think has its, has its strengths, has its weaknesses. And for me kind of jumping into the new, the medium that was new for me of TV, um, I was really kind of uh, figuring it out as I was going along. Yeah, I'm curious to ask you in this journey traveling in many places, how you can 
figure out or maybe how you can find the science in tiny places or maybe you never heard about them how this process goes? because sometimes it happens you have a guest i mean it doesn't work but how do you make sure these people in these places they are the right fit for the show because in yeah. the industry you want to make successful and that's also maybe tricky i'm not sure how it works but uh I'm curious how you can find these science, how you make sure they are fit for the show. Do you think you have ever executed a certain part that doesn't fit the story in your Yeah, show? Yeah, we have uh, like, and, and not because they weren't good, but we have definitely not included, we have cut interviews that I did, maybe because mm -hmm. usually because they just didn't fit in the, like when we were editing it, for some reason they didn't, for some reason or another, they didn't fit. But but basically the job of making sure that the people I talk to are sort of right, that they can kind of, that they won't, uh, you know, that, that they know the subject matter, that they won't freeze up in front of the camera, that they'll sort of feel comfortable enough to, you know, uh, make jokes and, and you know, uh, talk yeah. casually. So that job, actually, I did not do that job, that job. Um, so I had, I was very lucky to have a, a very excellent team of producers. Um, I'll just say their names really quick. There was Gretchen and Jay and Caroline and, um, yeah. and Mona. Um, and, and they were all working on the, on the different, uh, um, like the, they would do, basically they would pre-interview. So before my my actual on camera interview, they would call up that person and they would say, okay, what they would you know do a much longer interview with them. They would figure out you know uh, uh, what they knew about the topic, what kind of like how, their style and manner of talking, and whether that would be suitable for the documentary. They would also look to say, oh, okay, like how can we, what does your research actually look like? What is your average day like? What would be the most interesting and 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 visual place for us to interview you? And, and how would this work? And how would that work? And what, what, what do you think is the thing that people get wrong about your field that you would love to kind of correct? Like, so they were very, very good. And often they would do all of that kind of homework in a way. And then they would keep most of it from me so that I would be surprised, genuinely surprised when I, when I interviewed these people. Mm -hmm. um, so usually the way it would work is I, or sometimes they would kind of find a story and, um, and, and we would get excited about it and we would sort of structure the whole episode. And then it would be like, okay, now we have, now it's time for casting. Now we have to find the right people. And, uh, and it was, yeah, it was tricky. But um, but I was so lucky that they. I mean, in the the proof is in the in the in the series. I think we got so many just uh, talkers, scientists who were talking about their science. It, you know, will make you cry or make you gasp or make you you know laugh uh, uh, just because they were they were just excellent. I, I was so happy to be able to talk to all of the 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 people yeah. that I talked to. Wonderful. So maybe I'm curious to ask you why you hate listening to yourself or seeing yourself. <laughs> and that's interesting, you know, because first of all, we, as I mentioned, there's a consensus about you and it's really weird to find the criticism about you, just one or two. Most of the comments <laughs> are just really good and that's really great. But uh, why why you hate, actually I hate listening to myself. And oh seeing, yes, so I think you understand, so, yeah. Yeah, but I'm curious, you are more experienced of course, but I'm curious why you have this feeling and you have a lot of success and why? I think, something, yeah. yeah, there's, I mean, there's something, I think there's something about, I feel like I've read and heard before, you know, it's like the, like hearing your own voice. Cause, cause when you actually hear your voice, 
oh, I'm going to butcher this, but uh, it's like it's resonating through your skull, right? You, you actually literally hear it in a different way mm -hmm. than you hear other people's voices. Um, yeah. and, then, and then when you hear your voice recorded and played back to you, as if you as if you hear other people's voices, your voice sounds different to you, and and I think in a in a eerie way that you don't like. But but I think more than that, um, besides just the kind of knee jerk, I just you know don't want to. It feels very self involved and weird to to watch yourself. Um, the the thing that I think one of the other reasons is because it's funny whenever I make something, anything I make, whether it's a, a an, an article or a podcast or a, a, a TV episode, for me, I feel like I can see the, the seams, you know, like I can see all the choices that we made um, and, and not just like to, to say, okay, oh, I, I, I wrote that line of dialogue. So I know what I said, but you know what? I should have done that differently. Like I should have done that differently. I should have done that differently. And not only that, oh, I could have tweaked the wording here or I could have cut this part or I could have added that part. To me, it's also like, I also, because I was in the genesis of the project, I know what choices we didn't make, right? Like I know what we left on the table, what, what, what else was said in that interview that we maybe could have, should have used instead or what we, um, you know, like th there's so much of it is just like me second guessing myself, which maybe I should or shouldn't do, but um, I'm just a, kind of, a, I'm very critical of myself um, and I can see all of those sort of things where it's like, oh yeah, that was good, but it might've been better if we did that or, or, oh, we could have actually, maybe I should have, I should have flipped the order of these two segments, or maybe we should have done this or that or the other thing. And I mean, I, I, I stand behind and feel good about everything I, I've, I've put out into the world, but, um, yeah. but still there's a kind of, there's a kind of a relentless uh, uh, self criticism where you just want to, you want it to be better, you know, you always, and it always can be better. Yeah, that's great. And I don't know if you have ever received like criticism from science about show. Is this something of, that's like maybe a rare situation, yeah. but I don't know if you have received. Yeah, no, I, I have. I've definitely received uh, different kinds of criticism. Um, for example, I think one, a, a very good, uh, and a, and, a, and a right criticism that I that I entirely understand um, is, uh, uh, for example, one of the episodes uh, is uh, about a kind of a like a mathematical um, a principle called uh, Benford's law, and uh, and some of the criticism I got, and this is criticism I like actively sought out from my friends who are mathematicians and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, some of the criticisms I got were, you know, you made a great episode, but you actually don't explain it enough. Uh, you, this, this thing that you spend this 45 minutes talking about how many ways to apply it and da, 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 da. You don't explain why it happens enough. You could explain it more and you could explain it more using math. Um, and that's true, I could. And, and in fact, we kind of made a choice at some point uh, to not do that, um, to not go further in depth into the actual math to kind of say, okay, look, here's why mathematically this makes sense. Um, and that's because I think um, math is something that puts a lot of people off, you know? Math is something yeah. that a lot of people that's not the first thing they want to watch when they're on Netflix. You know, in fact, it's probably close to the last thing they want to watch on Netflix. Um, and, and to me, the, the point is, 
okay, hopefully, you know, and I, I see this about everything I do, like it's just an invitation. It's like, oh, here, let me tell you a little bit about this thing, just enough that you can get excited yourself and you can go out and look up more and, and read more and understand more yourself and, and kind of to empower you to do that and to give you kind of just a taste. And so for me, that's the kind of, it's true. I could have done better. I could have done more, um, uh, uh, me and the team that I, I, uh, I made this with, but, but, but we kind of made the decision we made on purpose and we did it the way we did it because because I think, you know, math is a, uh, it's a hard sell for a lot of people. And, and in a way we did it sort of the way we thought would appeal to a lot of people and especially people who, who would generally, you know, uh, the math would be the last thing they'd opt to, to watch, uh, you know, with their free time on Netflix, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's really interesting because I think that, yeah, the, maybe the, I think the most uh, tricky part and even science, how we can uh, grasp the attention of audience. Right. And I right. think masses in that case will make them turn it off. So I think um, right. that's really uh, maybe the most trickiest and maybe that's an academy we, we fail to do that, how we can make sense, things sound interesting. And um, so, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I can't I can understand uh, why, yeah. Yeah, why it could be challenging. Yeah. So, Maybe ask you what could be because because in the end I have a few questions from the audience as well. Sure. What is your inspiration? That's lovely. What what inspire you to have? Do you have a crazy idea? Do you think I <laughs> want to do something maybe beyond broadcasting and beyond the show? Maybe this crazy idea. Do you have something in your mind like that? Because yeah, you sure. I mean, I I feel like I've always. Um... I mean, first of all, let me say I I feel like right now the position I'm in that the. The, the, the jobs I, I already have. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel in, immensely lucky and grateful. And I know that it, it's a luxury to have the jobs that I have where I can kind of do the stories, the kind of stories that I love to do and, and to have the time and the sort of uh, help of, of so many brilliant professionals, both in podcasting mm -hmm. and in TV and in, you know, uh, uh, print, you know, uh, writing articles and, 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 and things like that. Like, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. Um, so, so I'm kind of happy where I am, but that said, I do have many, uh, too many, probably, uh, crazy aspirations of things I want to do. I, I think to me, um, you know, life is short and there are so many things to try. And so, uh, to me, I, I don't want to keep doing the same thing unless I feel like I'm getting something, new out of it. And there's so many new things that I want to do. I want to, at some point in my life, I'm, I'm going to write a book. At some point in my life, I want to write a graphic novel. At some point in my life, I want to uh, uh, be a speech writer. At some point in my life, I want to be a, you know, there are just a million things that I want to do that I want to try um, out there in the world. I, I think that, that uh, yeah, I'm just uh, like, I, I want to write a movie. I want to write a, 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 uh, I, I want to write a play. Uh, I, you know, there, there are a million things that I want to try. I think that, that mm. um, just because, you know, that the, there are, uh, it's like a buffet, you know, you just want to try everything. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe the question comes to me as an audience, maybe listening, because I think you are sure. so passionate and that's something make your life maybe, yeah, you have to enjoy your life because it's short uh, time. So, but yeah. maybe how, 
the question here, how we can find our purpose or the call. For you, Latif, you find your purpose and your call. And I think that's maybe the most important thing in your life. Maybe it's people stuck in jobs you don't like, or maybe mm-hmm. doing things you don't really enjoy it just yeah. because of the paycheck. And yeah. that's, that's, I think, many people struggle with that. And I think a, a few people can really can answer the question. And yeah, that's what I want to do and make yeah. it a, a dream true. So yeah. maybe what is the answer for you, maybe if someone, how I can find my purpose or maybe my call? Is it yeah. easy to think? Uh, maybe I can ask a question and, oh, I can find it. Or, or do, you, do you think of this certain technique so that you can answer what's your purpose in, in your life, what you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, this is a, it is such a challenging question um, for so many people. Uh, I mean, it's challenging alone because of, as you said, the the paycheck, like a lot of people are in um, financial situations, whether it's just providing for themselves or because they have people depending on them, that they are really uh, kind of locked into doing something that they don't love. Um, and that is, uh, yeah, that's a reality for a lot of people. And even if that wasn't a reality, it's still hard, you know, to find out what is my sort of passion? What do I, what do I, um, yeah, what, what kind of is the, is the thing I can do that will, uh, yeah, give me purpose and give me meaning. Like to me, I think there's the, the kind of, there's two things, two pieces of advice, I guess I would offer, um, yeah. One is, and and this is something my dad says all the time. I don't know, maybe it's a cliche thing, uh, maybe not. But there's a kind of, think about it like a a Venn diagram in a way, right? And there are three overlapping circles. One circle is, um, what do I, what do I love to do, right? What do I love to do? And I, if, you, if in my free time, you just left me alone, like what's the thing that I would just gravitate towards doing just on my own because I, I, I just love it and I want it and I want to spend my free time thinking about it. And I, uh, when I go to bed at night, I, I lie in bed and I think about this thing. Like what, what do you love, right? That's one of the circles. Second circle is what am I good at? right? What can I actually do? There, there are many things that you love, but you're, you're not actually that good at them. And that's okay. And you can practice and, and develop that, that skill over time. But, but, but the question is, what am, I, what am I good at? And actually, do I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, have, I have a knack at, you know? Um, and then the third circle is like, what does the world need right now? Um, what does the world need? What, what is there not enough of? Um, what, what do I think could really um, uh, uh, make a difference. And, and that actually, it, it hits two things. It hits the, how can I make the world a better place? What does the world actually need? But also it hits the, what is a thing that people need so much that they, could, they would actually pay me to do, right? Um, and, and that, that kind of hits the, the other question of, of um, you know, making a living and, and, and providing for your family or, or yourself or, or whatever. Um, and it's like finding that intersection, the things I love that I'm also good at that the world actually needs more of and trying to kind of align those one, two, three. And when you can kind of line them all up, um, that, that's the place. That's the place where you should kind of kind of head in that direction. 
Um, and, and, and it doesn't have to be fast. It doesn't have to be a cold turkey. I quit my job and I'm, I'm, I'm starting my business or whatever it is, or I'm, I'm trying to become a freelance journalist or what, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be so radical. Um, I think it's just like, you know, think about that the whole, like, think about that Venn diagram, where you fit on it. What, 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 what is that middle space? And, um, and, and hold yourself to account for it, you know, to, to remember, like, your life is short, your life is valuable. Um, and, and don't, um, yeah, uh, and, and, and although you do need to provide, and there are important responsibilities that you have, you, you should um, uh, kind of, you owe it to yourself to, 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 to do what you love and to, to, to find kind of a, a, a something that's fulfilling for you and for the world, you know? Yeah, I think uh, once you figure out this question and maybe the answer, it's like freedom and liberating your, yourself from the, uh, the yeah maybe figure out what you want to do in life. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's. I mean, it sounds like you've kind of hit on that with this uh, podcast. It, it, it sounds like to me. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, yeah. That's great. Right. Yeah, um, uh, because we we don't have so much time, I will go to sure. an audience question and just to question. But first, a question from the audience: What does the research process looks like at Radio Lab, and from the beginning of the idea till it becomes part of the script? <laughs> also, what extent are the hosts really in the dark about uh, <laughs> what they are talking about? And sometimes yeah. it, uh, I think it is scripted, and sometimes I believe they are finding out something for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so I'll I'll start with the first question, which is. Um, so we, there's kind of two ways. So sometimes we get stories. So free, freelance journalists or other types of people, documentary filmmakers or scientists or all kinds of different people will approach us with ideas. And usually they come and they have a whole story kind of worked out and they've been working on it for a while. And they say, hey, would this interest you? And then we kind of talk about it and, 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 and make it. The, the, the other way, which is the kind of, for me, the more fun way is... Kind of finding stories myself like for me that's the most fun part of the job uh finding stories and and th there's a million ways that that can come about but usually what it is is kind of uh it starts with a kind of a general sense like a, a it, well you can start one of two ways either it can start with a story to say wow you know uh, you know so you're talking to a friend and a friend says and then you know, let me tell you this crazy story, you know, about uh, this, this person in my field or, or this person in my industry uh, who did something you'd never believe, you know, um, and then and then you kind of get excited about the story and then you kind of interrogate yourself. Why am I so interested in this story? Why do I want to keep thinking about and learning more about this story? There's something in there that must be really some big idea or big question that must be really speaking to me in this story. Mm -hmm. The other way is the opposite, to kind of find, oh, wait a second, I've been thinking about this one question a lot uh, over and over and over again. Um, you know, what is it, uh, um, like a, an example, like why, why are there more, you know, life started in the ocean? Um, mm. And, and there more of the earth is covered by the ocean, yet there are more animals and more diversity of animals on the land. Like, why would that be? What a weird question, you know, or, 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 or it could be something more personal. Like, you know, how can somebody 
you know, so, someone I love lied to me. Like, how can people lie? Like, what, 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 what is it that makes people lie? Or what, how, what makes it, what makes someone such a good liar or, or whatever it is, right? Maybe there's some kind of question that you find yourself thinking about a lot. And then what you do is it's the opposite. So then, then you find a story to match and you say, okay, what's a good story that would really help me think through this question that I'm looking at? What's a good story of a scientist or a researcher or a person out in the world um, uh, that, that kind of helps me, um, yeah, that, that helps me ask that question and, and, and will help me kind of think through that. So, so that's a lot of the, and then, and then basically once you find that, you, you really try to figure out as much as you can about that story. You kind of almost become the world's expert on this story. Um, mm -hmm in order to be able to tell it. As for the second part of the question, actually, you'd be surprised. A lot of the time, um, the hosts are in the dark, actually. Like we very purposely, because we love surprise. Uh, that's one thing that I think all the Radiolab staff have in common. Um, we all love, love, love and relish uh, surprise. And, um, and so what we do is we very carefully manage information so that, um, you know, uh, 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 when a reporter it brings a host into the studio, the host doesn't really know very much. And, and so, so the questions that emerge are genuine questions and the, and the reveals and the surprises and the, the big payoffs at the end of the story are, are all, are all um, in large part, for the most part, are, are, are genuine. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's great. Yeah. And the question here from Aya, she said that, the latest threat about how the weather lifts a print in the electoral map right. in the US across ages is fascinating. I don't know if I can say something or maybe I don't know. Yeah, this was a story actually. So this wasn't a, a radio story or a, a TV thing I did. This was, a, I just did a thing on Twitter, a, a Twitter thread. Um, and it was about this kind of astonishing thing that I had learned about years before uh, uh, and just had never been able to stop thinking about. I'd learned about it from the Radiolab's previous host, Robert Krulwich. And, um, and it was this idea that there's a kind of a, a, a specific feature of the American electoral map that you can actually trace uh, back through the very dark periods of American history, but then all the way back to the Cretaceous. Um, to the prehistoric uh, shoreline of the of of North America, you know, hundred million years ago. So the, the way that that goes is, there's this kind of strip that votes for Democrats, and the reason that that is is because that strip living in those those areas, um, they're majority African American areas, and those African American areas, the reason that they're majority African American is because a lot of them are uh, descendants of um, enslaved people who were brought there, you know, forcefully brought there and forced to work um, on cotton plantations in this area. And the reason the cotton plantations were there was because um, the soil, one of the reasons was because the soil is very rich um, and the land was, was cheap because the land was basically stolen from the, from the First Nations people, the indigenous people here. Um, yeah. And the reason that that the cotton plantations were there and the soil was rich there was because 
um, that was where plankton 100 million years ago, um, the, the shoreline was there and the plankton died and sort of settled there and, and, and made that soil kind of what it was. And so, so there, there's a kind of astonishing trajectory and you can literally match up the map of the Cretaceous and the map of the, of the electoral map even from 2020. Um, and you can see, wow, these, these are you know, uncannily eerily similar. Um, and so to me, I, I just found it an astonishing thing. And, and, and I, I really do believe the, the more I, I learn um, that, that there are connections you know, everywhere and, and in places we least expect them. Uh, for example, in, in, in prehistoric geologic time, to you know, political realities in in um, uh, you know at this very minute, you know. Yeah, I think this is an interesting subject. Maybe you need a whole episode, Aaron, if you can. Right. For the audience, I think it would be wonderful. Yeah. And do you think ego is important while being this business? And do you think ego sometimes is important. You're so humble. I can see. <laughs> well, well, the. I think I think ego I think ego gets in the way a lot of times. I think that there's a uh, the the goal. I mean, in a way, to ask to ask those dumb questions, to ask those really simple, sharp, smart, good questions. Um, you have to take your ego out of it. You can't worry about looking stupid. Uh, you can't worry about you know appearing dumb or losing uh, face. You kind of just have to ask the. The question, you know, and and do it in a way that shows that you're not kind of uh, uh, making fun of somebody. Like you're really actually engaged, and you really actually genuinely want to know. But but that this is a question you have, and and this is where you are, and the, and the person has to come and kind of meet you halfway. Uh, to me, that's uh, it's a lot easier if you're not worrying about your ego. Um, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah, maybe I'm over all like skew. What is the most important quality you have gained while being working in radio and now in TV and something you have to maintain? One important. Um, I think it's to me, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's there's a curiosity, I think, is one thing, and I think another thing is the ability to to the ability to collaborate with others. I think, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's um, kind of collaborating with the, uh, like, uh, I mean, in, in, in an interview is a collaboration in some way, right? It's conversation, being able to have that conversation. Um, yeah. Also the, the producers I work with, the, and not just the producers, right? There's so many people behind the scenes who are so, so brilliant and wonderful and helpful and important and vital. And it's, uh, yeah. to me, it's, it's about finding those people and really uh, being able to, uh, listen, take criticism, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and put something, put something up that, that you think is, is going to be valuable to, to, to the most people. Cause, cause in a way that's also part of it, right. It's like listening to the audience and, and, yeah. and, and kind of being able to, uh, hear criticisms and, 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 uh, take feedback and, and things like that. So, so I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a curiosity that's very important and also, uh, um, uh, yeah, like a, a ability to collaborate and to listen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And lastly, what was the best advice was given to you was personally or professionally and was it like a changing? Um, I think, I think to me, the best advice is, uh, um, that, that, that was life changing, uh, was 
you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I would mm. always tell my parents, I'd say, oh, I'm bored, I'm bored, you know? Mm. Um, I would just be sitting around the house doing whatever, and I'd say I would, I would be complaining that I was bored. And I don't know who told it to me. Maybe it was my parents, maybe it was my sister, maybe it was my teachers, maybe it was my friends, I don't even remember. Um, but someone said, no, you know, it, the world is not a boring place. Like, if you are bored, that's because mm. you're boring, not because the world is boring. Like, that, that there is so much out there. There's so much going on. There's so much that you can do in any moment um, that, uh, that it's, it's, it's on you, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's your life. It's your time. It's your mind. Um, and, and you should really kind of uh, take it on yourself to kind of, to, 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 to try to use what you have available to kind of stimulate yourself to ask questions, to think out loud, to talk with people, to engage with people. Um, especially now, like virtually everybody is an email away, you know? Um, mm -hmm. If you can, uh, if you have access to the internet, if you're lucky enough to have that, um, you can basically talk to anybody, you know? That's really, I think, thoughtful advice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even our life, how we can reflect on that, yeah. So thanks a lot, Latifi. You are so yeah, intelligent, funny, humble. I think uh, I'm so honored to have you in, in the podcast. And yeah, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate it and I enjoyed it as well. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really grateful for, for your having me and, uh, and for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.